Hello, and welcome to the Conference Championship edition of Spitball. Your weekly NFL roundup. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me as always, my good friend, Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? I'm not bad, mate, not bad. So how are you feeling after the conference weekend? It was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Not just because the fact is that Ray Lewis managed to get through towards the Super Bowl and that the Patriots got beat. Woohoo! It was honestly, it was a great round of games this week. Didn't manage to stay up to the full length as I tried to last week, but um, I still put in a, a good number of hours watching those highlights over and over again. Absolutely, yeah. This weekend, both games gave a lot of uh, entertainment value. Let's start with the Atlanta-San Francisco game, and we've put Atlanta down all year, but yet they have stayed true to their characteristics, and they came out to a quick start. And they nearly lost it, and then this week they did. They did actually lose it, because they came up against a team who could who could finish the job, but what a great start, though. They went 17-0 up against San Francisco. They just come flying out the blocks. There was a blown coverage for Julio Jones's uh, first touchdown, and then San Francisco just couldn't get anything moving on offense. Well, it has to be said that someone who can get 100 yards of offence within the first quarter and a half, yeah. yeah. It was just the first quarter he had over 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, it, it was scary how much that he was getting open, especially as we've been talking how well we've got the San Francisco defence. And they just literally didn't look any part of like what we'd been praising them up to be. No, they just got absolutely lit up, didn't they? They managed to come out the second half and sort of regain some kind of uh, assertion. But all night they still did not look really strong in the coverage department. I think, yeah, not until really it got to the clutch situations when they knew they could start to put a bit more pressure on on Matt Ryan. So 17-0 up Atlanta, and then San Francisco managed to get one score back. They make some adjustments on offense. They start bringing Vernon Davis into the game. He started to find a way to get open. Yeah, I was very impressed with Vernon Davis. I mean, he seems to be, him and Kaepernick seem to have some kind of click going on because they knew exactly what they had to do. When Atlanta, like I said, they would, they'd bring all that pressure trying to um, push out the read option. And um, fair play to Kaepernick because obviously they realised that that's what they'd be going up against. So most of the night, all his hands off, putting it back into Frank Gore's hands and he had an absolute stonker of a game. actually lit up the plate. Yeah, you're referring to the read option, aren't you? So normally... Um, Kaepernick would, nine times out of ten, run the ball off the read option, yeah, but base. knew yeah. that Atlanta were going to have a containing defence and seal off the edge so that he would have to hand it off to Gore to run up the middle. Well, there's more more than one occasion where basically he's putting it through the play-action part of it, and this is where the quarterback will assess in that sort of half a second, is to sort of assess what's going on and whether he releases the ball into uh, into the running back or whether he keeps it. And either way, both of them maintain what they were going to do. So if it's the running back, he'll maintain his run and hit the block with or without the ball. And the quarterback will likewise react to that situation. But all the time, especially Abram, they had pushing out round the back. There's more than one occasion where you saw him holding out far too wide, trying to stop Kaepernick, leaving Frank Gore with the actual ball running up through the middle. Yeah, and I think on the, on the first... San Francisco touchdown you could actually see how scared the Falcons were of Kaepernick running the ball because Kaepernick again had it on a read option and he actually started to peel off as if he was running kind of went a yard or two to the right then handed the ball off and then um, that froze the outside linebacker who would be cutting off the Kaepernick run just enough 
so that James could get round the edge and score that that touchdown. I was very impressed with James as well coming in as the uh, the other back. Obviously, we've seen what he could do in Oregon and all, all the fantastic speed that he has, but. It was it was truly great to to get him into the game, sort of that difference of pace to Gore. Yeah, and I think we're finding this season that I know we've said before a lot of teams seem to be adopting this two running back scheme. So it's not the term every down back is almost becoming redundant because you don't want someone who's going to be an every down back because you're going to bring in someone as a change of pace, the fresher legs when the defense starts to get tired, or if they're starting to key in on how a certain running back moves at the line of scrimmage, you bring in an alternative to try and confuse the defence. As far as the chess match went, it was it was a great one by um, San Francisco to realise that the upper hand had been gained by Atlanta and what they could do to then suddenly avert this sudden slide and then bring it back into that. It's, it's all about the momentum. And they had to do something to really stop it because it was literally going 100 miles an hour towards Atlanta. And then literally they put on full brakes, managed to get to turn round and then... I believe they go back to uh, 17, 14, 14, yeah. And then that really, at that point, when it went back to a three-point game, you, 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 it was anyone's. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great coaching by Harbour there, I think, and, and his staff, just to notice that the game's going completely against what they would have had as their initial game plan. Throw it out the window. Throw it out the window. This is what's actually happening. And it's just, a, for me, a sign of great coaching that you can adjust while the game's going on. It doesn't necessarily have to be at half-time or the end of a quarter. It's, this is what's happening in front of us now. Now we're going to change it. Yeah. Adopt, adapt and improve. Motto of the round table. Okay, yeah. So, all in all, I think San Francisco, they came out winners 28-24. And Atlanta just couldn't get it done. There was a play right at the end. Atlanta had the chance to go go ahead and score, winning touchdown, but... Bowman snuck in there and uh, batted away the pass to Roddy White. So that would be why this week my defensive impact player goes to Navarro Bowman of the San Francisco 49ers. Not so much about stats, but just being around the ball, being a presence. His one pass deflection came at that key point in the game where if they completed the pass, they could potentially have scored the winning touchdown. Absolutely, and that's why for me, this week my offensive Impact player. For me, it has to be Fernand Davis. Just to be that get-out-of-jail-free card. Just basically pushed over the 100 yards and he got that, that touchdown um, from Kaepernick. But literally, he seemed to be in the right places at the right time, really abusing the system that Atlanta were running, which did press. You saw that Crabtree just wasn't in the game at all. No, uh, that's because the last few weeks, well, Kaepernick has been using Crabtree yep. as opposed to any of the other receivers. So... It gave Vernon Davis a bit more space because they were shutting down what they thought was oh, Kaepernick's yeah. main option. So they just got Davis more involved in the game. Yeah, you also have to wonder whether uh, Crabtree's mind was actually in it with all the off-field problems. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, the allegations from earlier in the week. Exactly. I mean, you know how people say how does that affect with players' mind, and I think something like that is pretty, pretty severe. What the, what the repercussions are. So I think that would definitely just that's not something you just go bat off. No, he is only a second-year player as well, isn't he? So he's kind of trying to take it all in his stride and deal with what was the most important game of his career so yeah, far. Yeah, still a very young man until two weeks' time when he gets to play in the most important game of his potentially career. Yeah. And uh, so, moving on then, on to the New England-Baltimore game. Now, on the night, I stayed up to watch the first quarter, but when all day Monday I was very proud of myself without knowing the score, my boss even found out and I told him I was going to punch him if he told me whether I'd have followed through or not and lost my job, who knows. But yeah, got home, watched the highlights, and 
I was just in awe at watching how well Baltimore played. I mean, defensively, they managed to stop Tom Brady. He looked like a shell of a man, didn't he, really, Tom Brady? The way that they managed to control both sides of the ball, really, because, of course, we've been saying that the defence is doing well and there's been flashes of greatness within the offence, but not no consistency. And, of course, running back to our friend Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. And seeing what he could actually do, because, of course, he made the assumption at the beginning of the year to say that he was the best quarterback in the league. Which is a hell of a bold statement, bearing in mind that you're in the same league with the likes of Peyton Manning and the aforementioned Tom Brady. Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yeah. There's there's a lot of names there. To suddenly say that you are the number one, if you're going to write the cheque, well, at least he can cash it in as well. Well, kind of. I still maintain that he's not the best quarterback in the game. Although, this week, he is my offensive impact player. Purely for the way that he managed to deal with the high winds in Foxborough. Particularly into the wind. He, that's where he seemed to find his touch passes. Come away on the only 240 yards, three touchdowns. But the key passes he seemed to make. Finding Bolden again as well, who was making some good catches. So, yeah, I mean, the second half was really Baltimore's both sides of the ball. And it seemed to really show within his confidence. Because as it went on, especially fourth quarter, he just looked like the boss. With complete and utter control and confidence within what he's doing, but also what his teammates are doing around him. Yes, yeah, so what do we think of how New England played in that game? Do we think it was New England not having enough offensive weapons, the wrong game plan, Baltimore just played that, that well? There was quite a few things. There was the the difficulty within the system didn't seem to quite work. They couldn't get the running game really positively running, ergo the air game seemed to suffer. Drop catches was very yeah. critical. Where's Welker, who's had loads of drop catches this year? There was no penetration from the defence. So if they want penetration, really, they need to sp- speak to Marshawn Lynch and his about his pounding ability and see if any of that can rub off on them. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but no, what they really needed was they needed someone like Wilfork to step up, and I, he had a very quiet game. Yeah. I mean, where, did, yeah. Where, where was he? I mean, I can't remember... Him being mentioned, I can't see the the sack, the the one you know, chasing after Joe Flacco and putting him in the turf to make him think that he's got to have that voice in the back of his head saying, "Where's Wilfork?" The only time I remember him being mentioned was when they were asking that very question, "Where's Wilfork?" because he wasn't in the game. A lot of that though probably comes down to the Baltimore offensive line because in each position they're very very strong, and the way they've re- reshuffled their line now coming into the postseason, the offense moving Michael Orr to yeah. right um, right tackle now as opposed to left tackle, which is his natural position. So a great adjustment for him to switch sides, and they've got Bryant McKinney obviously on the other side playing left tackle. Well, yeah, th- there's a lot of talent on that offensive line, and as you can see, it can handle quite a decent defensive line. Not only that, is that the stacking in the box is that you've got quite a big names. You've got uh, like uh, Donta Hightower, you had Gerard Mayo, all very good linebackers who can make a positive impact, especially when they come in on the blitz. We even saw Flacco manage to get in a 20-yard run at one point. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, he's not a mobile quarterback, but he has got legs when he needs to use them. So you have to ask yourself now, going into the Super Bowl, are Baltimore and Mr. Ray Lewis the team of destiny? Oh, I want them to be. I so want them to be. Anyone else out there, probably um, not 49er fans, but um, anyone else, or Steeler fans, um, I'm really rooting for this whole, you know, in the likes of Strahan and the bus to go out on the Big Bang. 
yeah, to go out with winning the Super Bowl. He deserves it with the career he's had, and we've mentioned him so much purely because it is his final season. And in my eyes, you can't talk about someone like that enough. Everything he brings to the game, everything he brings to his teammates, to the organisation, and to us as a fan, just anyone who listens to him speak, you can hear a pin drop when he's in that room. There's a lot of respect. It's going to be difficult to fill those boots. Because the problem is everyone will always be arbitrarily put pinned back to Ray Lewis. Yeah, are you as good as Ray Lewis yeah, exactly. in this position? So yeah. to be honest, it's never going to be filled because the problem is everyone is always going to be looking for the next Ray Lewis and of course there is no other next Ray Lewis because the person who's going to come in and have to replace him has got to be themselves. Yeah, they've got to put their own mark on that team. So therefore, I, I just don't see what they're going to do with it except for the fact that you've got to just pick someone strong. Probably Suggs is probably going to have to be my, my number one for that one because again, he's really shored up on that linebacker spot. It's where you want someone to be in the middle commanding the ship Ellaby and Kruger are good contenders mm. as well there's a lot of talent defensively we know there's a lot of talent but again it's leadership it's sometimes it's an unforeseen talent that you see in the field you can measure sacks you can measure tackles how do you measure someone's inspirational presence on a field how yeah. do you say he is quintessentially the field general that's it and they always say the sign of a great player is not how well the players you play yourself but inspiring others to play much better than they're capable of. Yeah, how are the guys around you going to step up? Absolutely. And moving uh, away from Ray Lewis, I'm sure you're probably, uh, you may be sick of us talking about him, you may not. How so, how so? Exactly, how rude. But I want to talk about one thing that happened in that game. There were, Tom Brady took a run, and when he slid to the ground, <laughs> instead of keeping both feet on the floor, it looks like he deliberately kicked Ed Reed because he knew that was Ed Reed. Oh, and he wanted to take him out of the game. Oh, you can see the numbers. I'm sorry. you got a big number in a blazoned in about, what are we talking, like a foot high yeah. on your chest? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was Ed Reed. Rubbish. you just got some kung fu fighting getting on there. I don't know what was going through the mind except for... Trying to I take mean, him out. I mean, luckily, I mean, you saw that the, the players actually didn't have, like, the big spikes on and you could see his boot was actually a flat sold yeah. so the impact wasn't as great it was disgraceful there's, I think there's no place for that in the game regardless of how badly you're losing you need to maintain the sportsmanship also if this was Ndama Kunsu, yeah, we'd be talking about how he is the dirtiest player in the game still so do we now have to start labelling Tom Brady as a silent but dirty player as it were uh, yeah I mean I'm, I'm sorry but there's, there's no other way of putting that he did that deliberately he knew what he was doing you know how to slide without bringing a leg up to knee height yeah and let's face it if that was in the uh, English Premiership that would have been a red card yeah um, no offence to Ed Reed I think he's brilliant but he was the wrong guy because the guy that was causing all the problems was Pollard yeah Pollard was making some major and I mean major hits the guy was literally knocking people out which is one of the very good reasons I'm going to use this as my jumping off point for my defensive impact player absolutely now I couldn't pick it this week because actually when we're talking about impact and pure impact here there was two people in this game who really deserve to mention one of course is Bernard Pollard for his absolute crunching, knockout, blowing hit onto Stephen Ridley. And we do hope he is absolutely fine. Absolutely. Um, though we do enjoy good hits in football, those are the ones that are just slightly the wrong side of the fence towards yeah, two Yeah, make you cringe big time, yeah, helmet to helmet. The other one, which was, oh, quintessentially, mwah, 
Gerard Mayo's hit on, on Dennis Pitter when he dumped him <laughs> legally, which was the best part of it because it was a shoulder into the chest. Yeah. And though you saw his head whip back, it wasn't because of a helmet-helmet contact. It was because he made his frontal force stop so suddenly. They were saying it's the same force as your 40-mile-an-hour car hitting a brick wall. Wow. And that's the same thing as Gerard Mayo there. Again, both of them only had about four or five tackles each. Both, though, caused a forced fumble. So, again, really making some, like, waves in this. But both of them, crunching tackles. Like I said, Gerard Mayo's was impressive because it was just on that boundaries of legal and great. Yeah. And the fact that it just put it back. Kudos to Dennis Pitter, who literally got slammed to the floor, got the next play and scored a touchdown. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> as you do. I mean... But it was brilliant. I loved it. And f- as far as defensive impact goes, that is true impact. Absolutely. So let's move on to a preview of the Super Bowl, which is going to be the second ever game between the Harbour brothers. Yeah, the um, Harbour. The Harbour, yeah, as it's being aptly named. The last meeting was won by Baltimore 16-6. to So which way do we see this one swinging? I think I'd still keep it to that. Over what we just seen over the last couple of weeks, the defence is... Baltimore's was much more impressive. But I can definitely imagine San Francisco is going to use the Atlanta game as a great reference point. And I think it'll be a a very good defensive battle. It should be with the two defences we've got on show. I would like to think that we're going to get at least both teams scoring in the teens. Probably one of them maybe scoring a 21-17 or 21-14. Something like that. I don't mind that as long as it's intense and there's a lot of big hits and big plays. Like a lot of turnovers maybe. Rather than just if it's a low scoring game but it's four and outs then it would get a little bit tedious. Absolutely. The only other thing it could be is, again, we could have, I think, potentially like the Denver game, where it would be higher scoring against what it was, but that's because lots of special teams, because, of course, we've still got Jacoby Jones for for Baltimore, who yeah. is, has been impressive. And Ted Jin Jr. Exactly. So I think we could get a lot of return uh, and sort of special teams sort of highlights. So, again, you could be hitting the 30s, but we're going to have, like, 14 points of of special teams just to throw it in the mix there. Uh, okay, yeah, that would be really nice. I think I could uh, quite enjoy that. And we'll see um, how Ray Lewis ends his last ever game in the National Football League. And uh, good luck to Mr Lewis and the Ravens. So, is he going to be your... I have to say is I fancy Baltimore for this again. I just think that they got a little bit more settled within especially this win over the Patriots, is slightly more impressive than a win over Atlanta, uh, especially the way that they did it. Yeah. That sort of shutting them out in the second half. And in their own turf as well. And their own turf, shutting them out in the second half. The comeback was equally impressive in Atlanta again as well. But for the same sort of reasons, I feel like if you let Baltimore get out to that sort of lead, I think they could control it to the point where they wouldn't let it slip as easy. Yeah. So therefore, I'd have to, again, like I said, we're going to take seven maximum point seven three. you know it's a single score game whether it's by boot or by you know touchdown that's all there's going to be in it and i'd say if you're a betting person i'd definitely see you to look under the 45 point margin oh yeah the combined uh, combined total points yeah if you're if you're into the betting look for uh an under with the total 45 points okay well i'm going to counter that and go with San Francisco as my and you're going to look for Colin Kaepernick to have the game of his life (laughs) we're talking the game to end all games there will be no more talk of Joe Montana in San Francisco for the next two weeks after the (laughs) Super Bowl (laughs) because it will be about Colin Kaepernick 
and how great he's been in that Super Bowl. I'm going to look for him to score four touchdowns on his own, whether it be two passing, two running, but look for Kaepernick to have four touchdowns against that Ravens defence. Wow. That's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to throw it out there. We think it's going to be close, so I'm going to go pow. Have that (laughs) as a bold statement. Kaepernick to get four touchdowns in the Super Bowl, rewrite history, and potentially throw in a stake for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And of course, that means that Alex Smith is looking for a new job come Monday. Yeah, and, and good luck to him with that. And uh, if he wants, we, we have a spare job working on an IT service desk if uh, if we're, if playing in the NFL doesn't quite work out for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> come back down to earth with a bang, quite literally. So that wraps up the action for this week. So just to finish off this week's show, what we want to go through is next week, as we only have the Pro Bowl to review and... Mm. I'm really not too fussed about the Pro Bowl, especially as a lot of the players that have been elected to the Pro Bowl now can't make it because of the Super Bowl, which I won't go on about this much longer, other than this is why the Pro Bowl should be after the Super Bowl, because granted now two Bills players are in the Pro Bowl, <laughs> but because they didn't get picked initially, don't want them, really want them in there. If you pick someone to be in a Pro Bowl, you want to see them in a Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? You voted for someone... You want to, you're going to pay your ticket to go to Hawaii and now you're not going to see them because they're in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, I, I still don't get the Pro Bowl because the fact is that literally the players want to go on a holiday, you know, let them go on holiday where they want. Don't ship them all off to Hawaii just for a, a, a weekend getaway. I mean, I'm sure if they want to all go have a, a joint holiday, they can do that somewhere else. Yeah, called Marbella. Yeah. Magaluf. Sounds good. <laughs> An NFL lads holiday in Magaluf. That could be quite interesting it'd be quite interesting all these huge like, absolutely muscular men just walking around bumping into some weedy little English boat who goes oi mate and then turns around and just sees the, the Hulk standing in front of them and wets themselves yeah quite good yeah that was your last holiday wasn't it yeah something like that absolutely <laughs> terrified me never going back so yeah so with that in mind next week we're going to have our award show so our annual awards mm. and we're going to try and get you involved as well this year with our awards. Yes, please. And yes. that would be with our MVP of the season. Yeah, this we're is looking, for you guys. This is for you, the most valuable player of the season. We're looking for you to vote now. We're going to give you a few names to who we think the MVP should be. Which will be on a, a voting poll next to the podcast. So we're going to run through the players now. And the first on the list is London Fletcher, linebacker for the Redskins. He's had a great season. We've talked about him a lot this year just because of the presence in the defence. He's almost like their Ray Lewis. Um, and he is, in my opinion, in one of the top middle linebackers in the game. I'd put him in my top five absolutely for longevity, the consistency. He's always playing. He's always making plays. Um, and so I have him uh, in the list for MVP. And next up we have... Navarro Bowman, linebacker again, but this time with the San Francisco 49ers. Yep, and then we also have J.J. Watt, a.k.a. The SWAT. The SWAT man, yeah, purely the amount of sacks he's got this year, his presence at the line of scrimmage. very impressive. Everyone has to game plan against him because if you try and throw on... Oh, he's uh, he's got to be double teamed. He's got to be double teamed. Absolutely, and even then, he's got to be double teamed and you've got to try and find a way to hold his hands down. <laughs> Just had a, a great season. Next up is Mr. Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, how can you argue with having a single 
season reception yardage over record. 1900 yards that's impressive I mean only five touchdowns but again that goes against because a lot of the time you're getting some, someone someone's got to throw you that ball in the end zone and therefore again that sort of broke down the chain of command great yardage though as far as catching highlights go literally the boy has got a real to contend with anything again this goes back probably to our, our, our poll from quite a few weeks ago now which is basically debating whether he is the greatest wide receiver of all time, how about of all time? Uh, of all time, no, I'm still, I'm still. I'll give, it, I'll give him this year. He's definitely great, but not of all time. Not of all time. We've got to come back in how many years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have an orange peanut. <laughs> and for those who aren't sure of the reference, I'll put this up alongside the podcast also. But we have Adrian Peterson, who nearly broke the single season rushing record, and uh, coming back sh- off uh, of a shattering knee surgery as well. Absolutely on his uh, LCL, ACL. I think we. I think was it was it both, wasn't both, it? It was like um, RG three. He both basically both uh, half that knee has been replaced. Wow. He's more man than machine. Or the other way around. That's what I meant. <laughs> Fair play. And then uh, next up we have Peyton Manning. Again, another one coming back off injury, and again the idea of a post cult Manning. What's that? He's not in the blue jersey? This can't be right. But you know what? It is right. The orange suits him, and he did look great. Didn't quite progress through as we thought he would. But again, you're bringing yourself back in your first season, and you're going to become number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely great achievement, and potentially only lost because of the team of destiny, as it were. So we'll wait to see on that one. Um, And last up for you, we have uh, Drew Brees. What a season he's had. Second consecutive 5,000-plus Yardage, thro- um, got his touchdown right. record, of course, as well. Consecutive touchdown record this year. Yeah, he did indeed. Yeah, then broke it in pretty much the next game. Yeah, absolutely smashed it, didn't he? So, Dole. yeah, now it's all about the Drew Brees when it comes to the quarterback records, and first person to throw consecutive five thousand plus yard seasons as well. Exactly, it's been so, very busy considering what we were saying about the Saints early on. Course now, of course, if you've if you've been keeping up to date with the news, Sean Payton this today got reinstated. So therefore, now they're looking for f- next year's development. So if you like what you saw this year, after all the suspensions, after all that off-field drama got sorted, then I I, I think we've got some positives coming our way. And you know, Saints fans, you know, you, you rode out the storm, and hopefully, what you got, you're gonna get a bit of sunshine next year. Do you think that maybe mistakenly someone painted a Saints jersey underneath Calvin Johnson on the cover of Madden this year? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but all, maybe all, all maybe I, that's where they were cursed. All I know is that, what you call it, the, the Madden curse, like, as we keep saying, sometimes doesn't always affect the player. It sometimes works on the team level. I mean, what were they, 4 and 12? Something uh, like that. No, what, the Saints but this year? No, 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 um, Detroit. Oh, yeah, Detroit finished with a really bad record. Yeah, e- yeah. So that's your choices. Again, we'll put that poll up alongside the podcast. Um, the other awards we have, we're going to run through with you now for next week. Lots of and fun. we'll give you our nominations, so that mm-hmm. makes it a uh, little bit more fun on the night, as it were. We have, let's start with our end zone award for most touchdowns. So the nominations for that are James Jones, wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers. Mr. Arian Foster, running back, Houston. Mr. Adrian Peterson, running back of the Minnesota Vikings. Eric Decker, wide receiver, Denver Broncos. And Alfred Morris, not a butler, but actually the running back for the Washington Redskins. Very impressive year by all of those guys. Big round of applause to them as well. Kudos for what they've done this season. Absolutely. And then next up? 
It's the Bullhawk Award. I don't know why you're not presenting this one. Personally, this itself, this is for the most interceptions. Yeah, I don't know why we called it the Bullhawk Award. <laughs> but basically, again, this goes to, to those guys who sometimes don't always get the glory, the same as the wide receivers when they're getting the touchdowns, but at the same time, interceptions, some of these change games, and they literally can put um, a team dead in their tracks. So the nominations... Uh, for this award are Patrick Peterson, cornerback for Arizona Cardinals. We've got Richard Sherman, cornerback for Seattle Seahawks. Stevie Brown, safety for the New York Giants. And finally, Tim Jennings, cornerback, Chicago Bears. So tune in next week to find out who wins that one. And if the name accidentally comes out as Jarius Bird or Adri Bullhawk Mallows, it was nothing to do with me. We've worked out any any mistakes that might possibly be made. We have a random... Computer generator, computer generator <laughs> who will be analysing all the data very technically, and then computing it into a, uh, a singular winner. Yeah. So a- any mistakes are not to be made on a a personal basis, but um, it's all computer error. Yeah, exactly. The computer will indeed. Say Except no. the MVP. That's you guys. That is. So if you don't like it, you should have voted. Yeah, you need to do something about it. Absolutely. Next up, we have our. Eli Manning Award for Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. One more time for me. Eli Manning Award for Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. Nice. Indeed. So, this is, we're going to combine some quarterback statistics to, to work out who the best in the league this year was. And your contenders are... We have Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons. Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. RG3, Washington Redskins. P.M. Manning from the Denver Broncos. And Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Hey, why am I not on the awards? It's my award. What's that, Eli? <laughs> I think Eli's a little bit upset that he's not in his own award category. Do we well, maybe want to put him in there? Well, no, you should have done better in the season, Eli. That's what I say to you. More touchdowns and interceptions, not both together. Mm. <laughs> right, so the next set of awards we have... We're going to recognise the kickers because they're like an unsung hero. Exactly. But yet they are a fundamental part of the game. We all know uh, how it can go if it goes badly wrong in a season, don't we, David Akers? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it tied the record Funny. longest field goal this year, but At also same probably time. set the record for the most number of field goals missed. Yeah, you're kicking at 62%. Yeah, that, that's, that's not great. So, hopefully the game-winning field goal won't come down to you in the Super Bowl. Hopefully not. So... We're going to have our golden boot for the most points by a kicker. And our nominees for this award are... Shane Graham from the Houston Texans. Jason Hansen, Detroit Lions. Matt Bryant from the Atlanta Vulcans, who's won some very big games for them this year. (laughs) Well, I say big games, but I mean big as far as their record at the end of the season ended up. So next up... We have Lawrence Tynes, New York Giants. And finally, we have Blair Walsh of the Minnesota Vikings. Again, so that's just for those guys there. Um, our next award is, again, running on our main... If you guys have been listening through the season, if you're new, you might have picked up on a couple of things we did in this podcast. What we do is we like to run um, people who impact games for us. And for this, what we're going to do is we're going to have an overall offensive and defensive impact player of the year. Exactly. Someone who we have noticed more than once. Someone who constantly wins the award or... Constantly gets at least a second place, uh, the aforementions. Yeah, absolutely. So, starting off with our offensive impact player 
of the year. We have Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Calvin Johnson, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. We have Adrian Peterson, running back, Minnesota Vikings. RG3, quarterback for the Washington Redskins. And Doug Martin, running back, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you've probably noticed that a few names will crop up over and over again on the awards, but that just shows you how much of a great season they've had. Yeah, if you make if you have a great season, more than often you are going to make constant awards because the fact is people are going to sit up and take notice. Absolutely. And let's go on to our defensive impact, impact player of the year. Absolutely. We actually have a little nickname for our defensive impact player award and that is we call it the Mr. Ray Lewis award for no one really in the sort of current history running has made such an impact in the defence and quite rightly so that this year he also is in the running to win the Mr Ray Lewis Defensive Impact Player of the Year Absolutely Also we have Charles Tillman cornerback for Chicago Bears JJ Watt or JJ Swatt um, Defensive tackle for Houston Texans We have Rondé Barber safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and finally, Alden Smith, linebacker, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, great years they've all had. And on to Rookie of the Year. Now, this year there is a lot of candidates. We've tried to get a good mix from both sides of the ball for you. So mm. we're, gonna, we're literally going to fire through this and then we'll finish off. So let's start with... Where can we start with apart from RG3, quarterback... For the Washington Redskins. Uh, was he a rookie this year, was he? Oh, was he? Uh, oh, was possibly. He? he didn't play like one, did he? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up we have Andrew Luck, who again, a great season. To watch it, you wouldn't know he was a rookie. Great season leading his team to the playoffs. Next up. Russell Wilson, quarterback, Seattle Seahawks. Again, someone who possibly flew under the radar at the beginning of the year, but we won't be letting him fly under the radar for next season. No, absolutely not. Next up we've got Alfred Morris, running back for the Washington Redskins. A guy who got second in the rushing yards for running backs this year. Second to a guy who nearly broke the single-season rushing record. So oh, There you go. Then we have Doug Martin, running back, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, he sort of came out of nowhere, and this season had that great middle stint where in two games he eclipsed more than 400 yards, personally. And there's someone who knew could see that coming, effectively, because they drafted them into their fantasy team. Who was that? I saw it, I picked him, I also had Stephen Ridley, again, someone who nearly got onto this rookies list. Not quite, you have to pull it out of the bag for next year though, Stephen. You're going to have to have a word with Brady and say, Hey, Brady, I want more carries. <laughs> and see what happens, good luck with that. He might try and kick you down in training or something. Um, next up we have Bobby Wagner, linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. A team that's full of young players, but a linebacker in a fundamental position on the defence. And he's he's just playing outside of himself, really. Yeah, he's literally playing like a vet. Next up, it's Matt Khalil. He's an offensive tackle, I believe a left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. Again, realised that when we looked at, at who really performed rookie-wise, because we had to really break down our rookies, try and find out those guys who, who were fresh-faced. And then suddenly you see at what he's done. And, I mean, offensive linemen, we don't normally give them as much credit, but, you know, they're the guys who are literally in the trenches fighting the dirty dirty part of the, the, the chess match and really getting, like, in and amongst each other. So I think to have him on the list, again, much kudos to that. Yeah, next up we have uh, Luke 
Coochley, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. I'm glad you had that one, not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Maybe you can give us a bell and tell sorry, us. Sorry, Luke. Let yeah, us sorry, know. let us know. But you have made the, well, I'd say short, short list. list it's actually 10 of them. But yeah. yeah. It's still a short list, bearing yeah. in mind how many rookies there oh, are. So really. many, wasn't there? Uh, next up, who? We have <laughs> Stefan Gilmore, <laughs> cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Did but- you say Stefan? Because I'm afraid it's Stefan. Stefan Gilmore, cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Well, we had to let a Buffalo Bill come on. I mean, come on, guys. You you dedicate listeners. You know there was going to be at least one Buffalo person on this list. Yeah. Have you noticed that there's no Rams? Mm, wonder yeah. why that was. Uh, yeah, because they didn't do it. No, they did better than the Bills. But anyway, uh, lastly, we have Donta Hightower from the New England Patriots. Again, linebacker. It's very difficult to come into that, especially when you've got people like Gerard Mayo, who are sort of quite staples of the group, but trying to find your place amongst that that next generation. I mean, that's only one problem that's been said that since the the championship winning defense of the uh, the Brewskis and that sort of era back in sort of two thousand and four. Yeah, early two thousands, literally. There was the problem of replacing them, and finally, I think they've got a really nice pairing of linebackers. Yeah, absolutely. And well, if they time it right as well, though, what they really want to do is have a good year, good year, bad year, so that they get the first draft pick when the likes of Johnny Manziel are coming out of exactly. college. And you get an instant replacement for Tom Brady, someone who's going to be able to come in like RG3 and have a great year. Absolutely. So that's that wraps up the awards we're going to have. So if you've got any feedback about any of those awards, obviously we'd we'd love to hear from you. We know there's absolutely. only one viewer vote in there. But, um, yeah, give us a shout. The contact details are on the podcast page. So um, let us know your thoughts. And and if we've missed anyone off that you think could be either Impact Player or Rookie of the Year, then, again, you know, give us a shout. Yeah, if you're screaming at your screen now, sitting there going, why isn't this person and why isn't that person on the list? Just let us know. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll expand our our shortlist for them because they really, truly need consideration. Then they should be on the list and we'll make them. Absolutely, and and if there's any Rams fans out there, you would really make Marcus's day if you put on a really good argument for a Rams rookie to be on our list. I mean, to be honest, I mean, there's one I can always think that possibly wasn't there for Golden Boot, which is, of course, Greg the Leg. Greg the Leg. But again, that would be, I'd need, come on, I need some more backing than this, because unfortunately, I'm fighting a solo corner here, guys. Come on, Rams fans. Yeah, give him a hand. Give him a helping hand because at the moment he's getting uh, grounded down by the Bills. What? What? What can I say? What you got? I get five more Rams fans to uh, reply to this. What you got? He goes on the list. Yeah, five five Rams fans. He goes on, and Stefan Gilmore comes off. There we go. Come on, guys, <laughs> find the Rams in you. Fair play. So, with that in mind, Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure, mate. And to everyone else out there, take care. 